This is a download from News Talk 106 to 108. To download other programmes or for more information, go to newstalk.ie. Good morning. Well, week after week, we read headlines and emotional stories about a tsunami of repossessions of family homes. We're being led to believe that thousands of families each year are being evicted by bailed out banks and vulture funds. But is that the reality? For over a year now, industry experts like Brendan Burgess, Carl Dieter, Dan O'Brien and Seamus Coffey and most recently the ESRI have been arguing that Ireland's repossession rates are quite low and that bank customers, mortgage holders and depositors are paying a high price for that. So repossessions, are there too many or too few? In studio this morning, two of those professionals, Brendan Burgess is founder of the consumer website AskAboutMoney.com, Seamus Coffey is a lecturer in economics in UCC who was so happy at five o'clock this morning when he woke up and realised He'd agreed to drive to Dublin for this show. And also with his regular contributor, David Langwater, barrister and head of the Irish Innocence Project, and Ushin Smith, Green Party councillor in Dunleary. You can text us on 53106 for 30 cent and tweet us at talking.nt and hashtag NTFM. And you can also watch us, by the way, at newstalk.com where there's a web stream. Now, we're not much to look at, but Bobby Carr wears amazing shirts, and I'd uh, probably tune in for that at 10 o'clock if you like. Um, David Langwater, just before we get on to repossessions, of course, everyone is still talking about Brexit and the um, Tory leadership race. And you know Michael Gove of uh, old. Unfortunately, I do. Uh, Michael and myself go back a long way. And uh, Michael has historically treated me the way I think he treated Boris Johnson after I beat him in a debating competition. <laughs> he exerted his revenge uh, by a 45-minute speech called The Life of David in the Oxford Union. Uh, Michael has an extraordinary ability uh, to deal with his erstwhile associates and friends in a brutalised fashion. And I think Boris has, uh, has been at the what receiving end What is of it about that debating world? Even on Channel 4 News during the week, I saw Jacob Rees-Mogg. Well, I've escaped it. I'm like a recovering alcoholic. I mean, I, I don't but really why? find it very important But anymore. when you've got on British National News... Um, and this, I saw this happen on Channel 4 where Tory MPs are slagging off each other on the basis of debating rounds in the Oxford Union 30 years ago. I mean, people, people, what t- is it? people take it very seriously. And uh, of course, within Britain, there's a parliamentary tradition and they progress seamlessly from Oxbridge into, into journalism, into politics, as Michael Gove did. So it's, it's, it's as if they've never left the debating chamber. And I don't think Michael ever has or the public schools. And unless you've been out in the real world, which I think has. Um, then you don't really get out of that loop. I mean, it's not just the Brits are like this. A lot of the denizens of the law library have never escaped the Alan H. Uh, uh, And so I do think, I also think it gives you a false sense of, um, because at one level, you know, it's the triumph of rhetoric um, as opposed to analysis. Yeah. And it it is, uh, you know, you're treated like a little deity uh, and it goes to some people's heads too much. I mean, so that uh, might explain a lot of the problems with politics and law in in that well, world. Yeah, rhetoric at the expense of analysis. Now, but we will get back to our topic. Um, Seamus Coffey, I've been trying to trace the source of the phrase tsunami of repossessions. Now, it probably requires more work than I was able to devote to it, but I had a search online and in recent years, the principal corporates seem to be Fianna Fáil politicians. Uh, Darrell Bryan, Willie O'Dea, Niall Collins, and then David Hall from mortgageholders.ie and Seamus Healy, the TD from Tipperary. 
Most recently, though, the phrase tsunami of repossessions is being used by people like you, Carl, uh, Brendan Burgess and Dan White, all saying, where is the tsunami of repossessions? Are you disappointed there's no tsunami? Uh, Can you tell us a bit about it? No, I I think what we're looking for was was evidence of what's actually happening. Like, I think we've been hearing about the tsunami of repossessions since about 2011, 2012. um, And there's a lot of, I suppose, media coverage, headlines, front front page news. But I think very little actually data analysis is going on there. So just over 15 months ago, um, when this story was once again coming around and there seemed to be moves in the courts to... Um, have, have a change to, to the outcomes that were happening I decided just to go into the court in Cork and watch it uh, and see what was going on uh, and I was utterly surprised at what I saw yes there's lots of cases listed uh, but in the main the outcomes are uh, that the cases are adjourned I see three times as many cases struck out as have orders granted uh, I'm not seeing borrowers showing up there could be 50, 60 cases listed and there might be 10, 12 borrowers there uh, borrowers that do show up get their cases adjourned I'm seeing instances where banks are looking for repossession orders on mortgages that haven't been paid in four, five and six years where zero has been paid for four, five and six years and the surprising thing for me is that these cases are only coming before the courts now and equally what's also present in the courts is evidence a lot of vacant properties. Uh, it's not so much that um, repossessions would lead to a, an increase in homelessness uh, I think one way that we can immediately increase supply of housing in Ireland is to get the vacant properties that clearly are out there for a variety of different reasons uh, but they're caught up in this system and they're not being used at all. Um, if there is a tsunami repossessions out there, it's the quite a tsunami ever we know our media loves these type of stories and we're not seeing mass coverage of mass evictions or mass repossessions because it simply isn't happening. But Brendan Burgess, surely that's a good thing. Nobody wants to see people thrown out of their houses. We bailed out the banks. Why not bail out um, uh, mortgage holders too? First of all, I hate the expression we bailed out the banks. We bailed out the depositors in those banks and we bailed out the bondholders in those banks. Um, and I think that's a very important point to make. Uh, I don't think we should have bailed out the, the depositors or the bondholders, but that's now a separate issue. As wow. Seamus has, has pointed out, there are people out there who are paying nothing at all in their mortgage. They're not engaging with their bank and they're not showing up in court. Do you know what? I want to see those houses repossessed. I want those people put out of their houses because you and I are paying for them. We're paying in terms of the banks needing more capital and we're paying in terms of the higher interest rates if you've got a variable rate mortgage that's not a tracker. So and it's, will you it's explain, you argue that variable rates here in the Republic are higher as a result of this. Yeah, what, they're, what's your calculation? They're not, they're not just higher. The average rate across the Eurozone is below 2%. In Ireland, it's about 3.6%. So if you want to take out a mortgage tomorrow, the average rate you'll pay will be about 3.6%. It's 1.6, 1.7% higher than you'd be paying if you were borrowing in Germany or France or wherever else. And that's absolutely outrageous. Now, let me just make sh- make it clear. The repossessions account for only a very small part of that. But the banks, the ESRI, the central bank, they say, well, lending in Ireland is unsecured lending because we can't repossess houses. I'd love to take that excuse away from the banks. It would expose the fact that they are still overcharging, even if they were allowed to repossess houses. So the the point about it is, I you know, people have a right to housing um, and well. everybody here Everybody here and virtually everybody I know has campaigned to keep people who are responsible, who are making efforts to pay, who are struggling and who are engaging. We want to see them kept in their house. And I want to see manners put on the banks where there are people who are making a good effort and paying something. I don't want to see them dragged through the courts. 
even if I know that they're not going to lose their house at the end of it because the courts never give orders in those cases. But I want to see those people protected and I want to see the banks taking them to the courts. But at the same time, I want to see the people who are paying nothing, who are not engaging with the banks and who don't even show up in court. I want to see them out of their houses. And as Seamus has pointed out, we estimate there are between three and 6,000 empty houses. Empty houses. And then that can't be repossessed by the banks. Um, the, the, the system is just so complicated. The, the bar is raised so high for the banks and the registrars, these are the people who grant the orders, they are just so reluctant to grant an order that they, even empty houses, the keys have been handed back, the borrowers are living in another country and they can't get orders for repossession. It's, Ush, it's absolutely yeah. outrageous. Smith, is that, so that does sound a bit crazy, doesn't it? I think it's a fantasy to believe that if you give the banks more money, that if you make the banks more profitable, if they can suddenly get a whole lot of money from kicking loads of people out on the street and taking their houses, that they're suddenly going to take that money and then go round to all their customers and give them a little, like Santa Claus, they're going to leave something under every customer's tree and say, hey, look, we got some money in, we're going to hand it back to you. We know that the banks last year, AIB and Bank of Ireland, made €3 billion Euros profit between them. Uh, I haven't seen my cheque in the post yet. So I, I, I honestly, I, I don't believe that uh, giving the banks the power to kick people out of their houses is going to make everybody else better off. I, I think that there's, there is a historic backlog. There is, a, there is a bulge in the snake, if you like, of people who didn't pay their mortgage and that is working through the system. But if you look at the recent history, uh, the, the number of people who are going into arrears now is actually very low. You know, when you compare with uh, with other countries, and this idea that we're not repossessing houses, this is just not true. Like, the, I mean, the, the figures are out there. There are give uh, them so. uh, uh, oh, give you us know, the figures. Give us uh, figures. One thousand two hundred eighty-four houses re- repossessed uh, were were repossession orders last year. But then there's a huge there's repossession a huge additional order. repossession order is not a repossession. Uh, the granting uh, of a repossession order by the court has then to be executed by the sheriff or the county register in s- subsequent counties. Again, the evidence suggests to us that uh, around two thirds of repossession orders are executable, a third aren't. So if you start off with a figure. Of 1,200 or already down to a figure of 800. And in addition to that you have... We have 33,000 mortgages in arrears of two years or more. And you think repossessing 800 houses is a significant problem. In addition to that you have people handing back their keys. Uh, you, you know, you have people abandoning houses, and if we are going to repossess houses, which are included in your figure of eight hundred, if, if we are going to repossess, they're houses, in your figure of eight hundred. If we are, so how many, how many families were thrown out of homes? Okay, let him answer. So, Oshin, if we are going re- 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 to repossess homes, yeah. we not go first for for those. We said we are. Are we repossessing homes? Or are we not? If we are going to, wh- where we're going to concentrate, we should start with those ho- homes that are vacant. Exactly. Start with the largest ones. And start with 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 buy to lets with investment properties. Okay, Dave. I'm surrounded by people quoting statistics who are economists. I want to impose some level of morality (laughs) and legality on the process if I possibly can. There's a much wider conversation about this. Um, And the wider conversation starts from something Brendan mentioned about people have a right to housing. Now, he said it rather off the cuff. There is no such right at present because our Conservative Supreme Court will not recognise it and because unlike South Africa, we don't have it written into our constitution. But they do. And in various cases, like the Cosa case and the Joe Slovo case, what they've said is this. There's a prohibition in the South African constitution, the newest major constitution in the world, against forced or arbitrary evictions. And there is also the recognition of a right to housing. What they've established is the following. If you have a right to housing, of course you have executive uh, and bank-driven, resource-driven considerations. It doesn't mean you can't be evicted, but a government should have a housing plan, which they don't, and that housing plan should deal with vacant lots or the building of social affordable housing, which you've argued for as well, Brandon. And secondly, the forced or arbitrary evictions 
Um, Brendan says, I'd like people... Hold on for a second. Yeah. He says, I'd like, I don't mind if people are pushed out of their houses. Well, where to? The obligation, if you have a right to housing, is even if you evict someone, no matter how humble an abode, they're obligated to go to another house and not this sop of hotel-driven accommodation which is causing damage to our social structure. So these are the legality and morality arguments. But David, and, and let's go back to the banks. Brendan conceded, of course, that they hike up interest rates. Danske Bank and Bank of Scotland flew out of the country after hiking up the interest rates uh, way in excess of ACB levels. The banks are largely structural thieves and robbers who've been allowed to get away with this. And what Iceland did to much derision many years ago was nationalise the banks. Now they're out of recession and we still have, by Brendan's own admission, them overcharging and fleecing the customer uh, and reneging on agreements. Now, the precise details of how many people are being evicted, how many people are repossessed, are matters I leave to the economists and the people who visited. Uh, although I must say I, I deal with quite a lot of people in those positions, but I do agree with the general distinction that there's a distinction between a possession order and someone being repossessed. But we have to have this wider conversation about nationalising the banks, about the establishment of a right to housing, and about the moral obligation we owe to people to build social and affordable homes for them, even if we evict them from their place in Kalini, which I'm not necessarily not in favour of. But David... As a lawyer, people sign a contract and a contract says, I will pay you this yes, much Yes, but the banks vary months. the contracts in some respects. They didn't re-establish people and trackers who believed that they were they had trackers and they pushed them back to their own interpretation of standard variables. I mean, a banking contract requires a bit like Lord Denning famously saying, you have to look at it microscopically to see all the exclusion clauses. And many of these people were ill-advised. I am not saying people that the blame does not rest with the casino-like speculation of overborrowing that many people involve themselves in. I'm not saying that at all. But the casino-like level of speculation was also driven by the banks or governmental structures and the bureaucracy. Seamus, do you want back in on that? Um, well, I appreciate Does he the, have the a issue point? about the, the, the right to housing, but people don't have a right to stay in a house that they're not paying for. No. Uh, if somebody isn't, is paying zero uh, on a mortgage, uh, something has to be done. Like I've seen an instance, I've attended 41 repossession hearings, uh, 40 in Cork and one in Dublin, uh, and I've seen instances where the bank say a mortgage hasn't been paid in years. There was one instance where uh, a couple showed up and the last payment they'd made in their mortgage uh, was in April 2009. Zero. This was in the middle of 2015. Six years of absolutely nothing being paid. Uh, the bank laid out their position. The borrower came in and said they might begin to repay. They might begin to repay. The case is adjourned for six months. Well, actually, the case has come up again and they actually have started to repay. Not the full amount. Uh, they paid. They were paying 75% of the amount that was due and the case was uh, adjourned again for a further 12 months. It won't come up. That was in October 2015. It won't come up again until October 2016. So that was an instance where nobody did nothing. Zero had been paid for six years, came into the court and said they might pay, begin to pay partial amount and adjourn for another 12 months. If that's not protecting the right to housing, I don't know what is. No, I, and I, we I, have I, vacant I, houses out there that are in the system that should be brought back into use. A repossession does not necessarily mean an increase in homelessness. We have a, a housing crisis that we have had maybe ongoing in Ireland and we can't get our housing market right, but having vacant properties out there does not make sense to me. No, I I can I just talk about another very important statistic here as well? Last year, 48,000 borrowers who were facing difficulties with their mortgage had their mortgage um, restructured by the banks. 48,000. So if you go in to the bank, uh, you will, if you engage at all, get your mortgage restructured. The banks began 
mortgage proceedings, uh, uh, sorry, uh, legal proceedings last year against just over 4,000 people. So, you know, if you engage at all, you'll get your mortgage restructured. If you don't engage and don't pay, they might take action against you. I think, by the way, the originator of the term tsunami of repossessions was the master of the High Court, Edmund Honahan. Oh, I think he was the first to speak brother about of it. brother of the firm, but, but also Patrick a man Graham. with front level experience of all these cases coming to him. Can I just make one point which brings together very briefly the two points being made? Um, there was a case involving Danske Bank winding itself before the master of the high court where the consumer could repay, and I've made this point, 90 grand. Danske refused to accept that and gave it to a bundled up vulture fund for 60 grand and the consumer was turfed out. Now, there is no ethical, moral or financial reason for that. I agree with this obligation to repay and structured levels of repayment. But what we should do is have banks and consumers sit down in terms of an assessment of how much someone can pay, how much they can afford before we go to repossession and have an arbitrator in the middle, a legal person, to determine whether that yeah, amount that's of repayment called the is reasonable. the high court or the judge in the high court. Well, no, and the a state-appointed independent the circuit court judge. Okay, Oshin Smith. Okay, so you're a politician. And, you know, isn't it just the case that there are an awful lot of debtors, as Dan O'Brien pointed out in a recent article on this, and very few creditors, and it's just easier for politicians to side with the debtors, many of whom do have emotional and terrible stories, rather than looking at the hard maths and the hard numbers of this. That affect everybody, but just in a more implicit way that we're not really conscious of. And we just blame banks for higher mortgage interest rates instead of saying maybe we need to be crueler to people who are in trouble with them. Yeah, I think this is the idea. We can make some kind of Faustian pact where if, you know, if we're really mean to people and we're, yes. you know, we throw people out of their homes that somehow society will, will benefit overall and, you know, the, the good right thing, thinking people who have jobs will, you know, will, will be better off. I'll make a few euros, you know, you'll be on the street. Yeah. And, you know, uh, one thing that I know as, as a county councillor is that a huge portion of our budget goes out on paying for hotel rooms for homeless people. So we, get, you know, we, have, to be, we have to be careful that we don't run down a route of very suddenly taking a very a very dramatic approach to, to people who, who are... Who yeah, are but what about the point that Brendan and Seamus are making is actually that a lot of the houses that there are repossession forges are, are empty. I suppose they were by toilets or something like that. Oh, yeah. Like that. I mean, if the house is vacant, wh- why not repossess? And if it's an investment property, repossess it, but don't throw out the tenants. I, I, absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. And that, that's how it should be prioritised, you know? Seamus is throwing but, his but, hands but in this the is air. A, this is a solution that is... This is a problem that is actually working itself out. So, you know, we have a historic backlog of people there was a sort of a nuclear financial event in Ireland and a lot of people suddenly found that they had overborrowed or that they went bankrupt and they couldn't pay their mortgage and there is a portion of people and of course some of them are taking the piss some of them haven't paid for six years whatever but there, there is a large there's a around 35,000 I think per, um, uh, PDA of, of uh, arrears, uh, arrears, arrears on people yeah. who are living in their own homes and they are wor- uh, uh, you know they are they are working themselves out every quarter it is reducing I would say within, within bank, four years that we will be down we will be down to a normal level. One point we haven't made, look, if you look at Tyrrellstown, yeah. you have people, a community who can pay and are being booted out because a vulture fund has taken over uh, the, the estate. It's a wider conversation about something uh, uh, somebody suggested was just a buzzword earlier, neoliberalism, but it's not a buzzword. Okay. We are a society 
that is adopting an I'm all right, Jack attitude, a society that is not engaging in proper levels of social democratic intervention and has a lack of care and concern and compassion for people who are being booted out. It is not that there are not freeloaders in the system. There are. But this idea of the unregulated free market is just licensed banditry. I have to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to be talking to an auctioneer in the Lucan area whose clients are now receivers rather than people selling their family homes. Talking Point on News Talk 106 to 108. And welcome back to Talking Point. We're talking about repossessions this morning, either too many or too few. In studio, Brendan Burgess, founder of the consumer website AskAboutMoney.com, Seamus Coffey's a lecturer in economics from UCC, David Langwaner, barrister and head of the Irish Innocence Project, and Ushin Smith, Green Party councillor in Dunleary. And on the line is Barry MacDonald. He's an auctioneer and managing director of REA MacDonald in Lucan. Good morning, Barry. Good morning. Um, in the olden days now, a homeowner would pay you to sell their house, but I believe that nowadays some of your clients are receivers. Can you tell me how that makes the sale of a house different for you? Absolutely, yeah. We, I suppose, we started acting for receivers possibly about five years ago. Um, we're in business 45 years. I don't think we ever dealt with any receivers previous to that. It was always private home sales that we were acting on. Um, the, the, the whole scenario with it, it grew, as I said, about five years ago. It has tailed off a little bit in that the percentage of houses we're selling at the moment would be, to a lesser degree, receiver instructions. However, it does still make up possibly somewhere in the region of about 20 to 30% of the stock that we're selling. Um, how it affects, I suppose, the sale process is receivers have, by law, a, a, a duty of care to get the best price they can. I think that's under the 1963 Companies Act. With that, they need to essentially be seen to get the best they can. With modern methods of sales now, we put all our properties on the likes of the various websites such as My Home and Daft. And anyone, anyone who's out there looking for a property, they're very often registered for property alerts, etc. Meaning as soon as I put one up on the market, I have potential interested parties ringing me straight away. However, the difficulty is that the, the, the receivers need to have the property on the market for a good few weeks before they can essentially sell. So as a result, you get frustrated buyers who make offers in the first week, and they're saying, well, why isn't my offer being accepted? It's the highest bid, what's going on? So it has led to quite a tricky uh, situation, and certainly, uh, whilst uh, you know, we're in the business of getting house sales and apartment sales, we do like to get instructions. A private sale is definitely an easier sale than, than one for a receiver. And, and those places. houses that have been taken by the receiver, in your experience, were they already empty? Were they some of these buy-to-lets or were families kicked out of them so the receiver could sell them? Certainly, we haven't had any dealings with regard family-owned homes. Um, what may come to us is situations where potentially families or investors have sent the keys back and we, we essentially find ourselves dealing with a vacant property. Mm. However, what, what does happen in some circumstances is where there's a tenant in us, and essentially we need to knock on the door and talk to the tenant. And a few years ago, that was, you know, us knocking on the door was bad news for the tenant because, you know, they had to up sticks and move on. Now it's, it's a disaster because they just won't, for many of them, they won't get alternative accommodation oh, yeah. and uh, you know like 
it's the just the rental market situation is the yeah. major problem. And, and one of your panel there mentioned uh, Turlstown and what's happening over there. And like, if that was a few years ago, you kind of felt most of those people would get sorted out. It's hostile. It's 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 disappointing. It it is wrong, but they would manage. Whereas so, now those people are in grave danger. Of so so, so can I just ask, sorry, Oshin Smith here, if, that in that situation where you've got a house and you've got tenants in it, do you just routinely uh, evict them so that you can sell the house with vacant possession so that it's more attractive, it's not infested with... Well, uh, with a, again, going back to the duty of care on the receivers, when they go to an agent like us and they ask us to assess the property that, that essentially has fallen into their uh, remit, they're looking at it from the, the duty of care to get the best price. And, and at the moment out there, the, the demand for houses is from owner-occupiers. It's not from investors. So as a result, they, if they want to maximise the sale price, they want to have the house vacated. Yeah. Now, less and less we're being asked to vacate it, which we're totally happy with, as you can appreciate. And, and more and more, we're finding ourselves in situations where we're actually getting the property when it is vacated. So and and Barry, just a final question on that. I was speaking to another auctioneer who told me that he had a, a small number of houses from a developer, a, a, a development that had been, the remnants of it were still there. And he had individual buyers for each of the homes. But then the bank sold on the developer's loans to a fund. I don't know, was it a vulture fund or other kind? for actually a smaller amount than mm. he was getting from the individual buyers. Yeah. Which was the point have, I was just making. Yeah, about so the, have you come across cases like that where the banks seem to be making decisions that actually aren't in their financial yeah, best interest? Yeah, we, like what obviously I'm sure a lot of your listeners have seen is, is, is the growth in this um, distressed property auction format. And we would have had, and I could give you an example of a particular property we were selling in Lucan on the market a good number of weeks we had a highest bid, just for argument's sake, of 180,000. And then the receivers get in touch and say, look, sorry, this one has been decided. It's, it's been earmarked to go down the auction route. So it had been up for sale by private treaty through us, and it got pushed into a, a disposal auction situation where a month later it sold at auction for 150,000. Right. You know, but the receiver, I suppose, feels that they have cover themselves because uh, an auction is obviously a wide open forum everyone can see it's transparent etc okay. so so uh, from a duty of care they, I suppose they're ticking that box Brilliant Look, Barry McDonald thanks a million for that it's very helpful and okay. um, Brendan Burgess just want to go back to the issue about the media and the presentation of what's going on what do you think about it? Well the media will tend to report what people say and you know when the master of the high court talks about a tsunami of repossessions the headline will be tsunami of repossessions and people are people find that very interesting and um you know, the readers obviously want to hear this so um the television programs will interview people and they will hear the the sad story um and they of, are sad well, stories yeah, but hold on a second they'll hear the sad story of being brought into the court on three or four occasions i have never yet or heard i've never heard a radio or television interviewer saying well sarah how much have you paid over the last year on your mortgage they they never ask the question you know have you engaged with your bank what did you do, get on with the bank so what i now do when i see an article in the paper or i hear somebody on the radio 
t- talking about repossession, so saying it was outrageous or a tsunami of repossessions. There were 200 cases in Donegal last no- last week of repossessions. And, and I, I always contact a journalist and say, would you like to come down to the Dublin Circuit Court with me or, or I'll go to wherever they are. I'll go to the court with you and let's have a look at it. Does anyone go? Oh, they do indeed, yes. Um, When you bring a journalist down and um, the the best, the the court I most invite people to is the Bray Circuit Court because that's the one which is most fit for purpose. If it's it's, uh, the second Monday, I think, of the month, if you want to go and see how a court should work, Go, go on the second Monday of the month and how do they react then when they see what's going well, on well what I'll always do when she grants an order for possession I'll, I'll turn to the journalist and say would you disagree with that and they say no because it's it's like the case Seamus spoke about no payments in five years or some blackguarding or other if somebody shows up and they're paying something and they show up in court they just don't lose their house. So, but the point about it, so I bring journalists to see what happens. And I think, you know, Seamus, Carl and I, I think between us, we've changed the debate a little. Some people will are, are now beginning to report on the fact that, you know, there are actually very few repossessions. 48,000 mortgages rescheduled last year. Uh, the actual figures for orders for homes taken into repossession were 687. I mean, you know, and as I say, at least 20% of these were vacant and loads of them were none we, we have you know so we're not see, we have not seen cases Dave, well obviously Brendan money. is living in the same city I am and he's walking the streets of Dublin and seeing all the levels of homelessness that has become a pervasive and, and endemic social policy well no no that's, that's a different consideration yeah, but, but you said earlier you said very specifically I don't mind being booted people out of out of a particular house if they don't pay I, I'm not necessarily in disagreement with that but they've got to go somewhere and we've got to build social and affordable housing or utilise vacant lots for them to go somewhere. The obligation, if you have a right to housing, is to house people. Uh, I don't... And by the way, fiscal irresponsibility cuts two ways. That right carries an obligation. I am not prepared to house somebody who pays absolutely nothing on their mortgage. No one is is suggesting that. Can I ask Oshin a question here? If you're a social housing tenant uh, and you're unemployed... Yeah. Do you have to contribute from your social welfare towards the cost towards your rent? Yeah, you pay a proportion of your uh, of your social welfare. Yeah. Do you know how much it is roughly? Is uh, it roughly a sixth. Roughly a sixth. A sixth. Yes. So you must pay something even if you're on social and welfare. And the other point there's a very important point coming through all of this sorry, sorry, about the need to rationalise oh, the housing okay. and rental market. What? We need to address that. Oshin made a really important point. What did you say, Oshin? You get evicted if you don't pay eventually. And and Seamus Coffey, that's the point I want you to make because when you were studying who was actually seeking and being granted repossession orders, the biggest grant people being granted were by the local authorities. So so we tried to move on to the next level. What happens in courts is one thing, um, but we've gone to... the Dublin City Sheriff so dealing with the, the Dublin City local authority area and the reasonably good statistics on the number of repossessions that the Sheriff actually carries out we looked at a five year period uh, up to the end of 2015 um, and it was just over 200 uh, repossessions carried out by the Sheriff uh, of those uh, about 120 were carried out uh, in respect of banks and building societies uh, and 90 uh, were carried out in relation to uh, Dublin City Council for uh, arrears on mortgages now Dublin City Council did carry out a few more 
repossessions but they were in relation to rent arrears if you just look at mortgage arrears for Dublin City Council there were 90 so you'd say the banks repossess more uh, but the issue is that the banks have 50,000 customers that they have lent to in Dublin City of which they told the sheriff to repossess 120 Dublin City Council has 3,500 households which they have lent to and they told the sheriff to repossess 90 so as a proportion of the number of loans, Dublin City Council is repossessing houses at a rate 10 times faster than banks and building societies. Sir, there's a very David. important point that's, we've, that's been drifting through this conversation and hasn't been brought to the fore. And you said in the interview you did with the gentleman, you said, well, hold on for a second. It surely isn't in the bank's interest not to accept more money from the consumer. But, but it is because they don't look at people as anything other than commodities anymore. So what they say is if we bundle it up to a vulture fund it's more profitable from our point of view rather than to deal with the individual consumer. Now that's the first important point. The second point that was implicit in what he was saying affecting Tyrrellstad is our rental market is crazy. Uh, you know, seventeen hundred euros a month for a shoebox, uh, which is completely out of proportion to most of civilized Western Europe, and we do nothing to control it. I am not necessarily in t- disagreement with some of the things Brendan's saying, or some of the things our economist friend from Cork is saying. People do have levels of responsibility. Perhaps there aren't as many repossessions as we think, but we also owe obligations to house people in however humble abode. That they can. Oh, you know, you were making a and point can to afford. me yesterday when we were talking that actually the the biggest constituents of people being evicted are actually tenants. Yeah, and in fact, the people who are contacting me are not contacting me about their mortgages, about the threat of being repossessed. They're telling me that they are that they're renting. They've made all their rental payments, and now for no for no reason, uh, they're being no, no no fault of their own. They are being evicted, and so you know that is happening far more frequently than people being kicked out of the houses that they've mortgaged. It's not something that that warrants immediate event. For some reason, nobody shows up when you get kicked out of your, t- your, your rental home that you've actually made all the payments on. So, you know, this is a problem that, that for some reason is being ignored. And, for so- and as you heard with that estate agent who was on the phone to, who seemed like a very nice guy, yes, was yes. saying that it is routine for them to evict, their t- to evict the tenants of properties when they're being sold, simply to make the property more attractive as a sale to the next person. We don't have those nasty tenants living in our property. It's a nice, clean property. You can take it. Listen, you guys get out in the street. And because that is how Irish law is, has, has been there, there's a form the, the of social default, hygiene uh, going the, on. The, the default... The default rental contract in Ireland allows a landlord to throw out the tenants on a whim even when they have paid all their rent mm. to date. Mm. I am a tenant. I am not a student. I am not a transitory person yes. who's moving around and wants to live somewhere for a couple of years. I've got young children. I'm in school. I make all my rental payments. I try to get in the longest lease I possibly can, which is two years at the moment. It's a, it's a, it, that is a problem. And in turn time, you're destroying a community. And I mean, people live in communities. Even when they can't afford them. This is why people are getting themselves into such deep more because they know that it, that renting is such a bad option. I have to read out some text on this. We're getting a lot in. Uh, let me see now. Any of your panel able to distinguish between credit creation and loans? Critical to understanding to what's going on. I'll ask that in a few minutes. I guess it gets to the point people get in the habit of not having to cough up and then they expect to not have to at all. It becomes their norm that their home doesn't have to be paid for and then they develop a sense of entitlement. I think we should put some people at the end of that uh, text maybe. <laughs> Any thoughts on the repossession 
assessed 400 grand houses being sold to vulture funds for 80 grand mm. a pop. Between them and emergency housing and lawyers, this is a multi-million euro trade. And of the human traffic, what of the fate of these families? More yachts for the boyos. Sure, they'd eat you without salt. Can we talk about the money being made in this game? That's from Nolan. Well, and the money has been made by the neoliberal plutocracy. Now, I'm accused of saying about that all the time, but that is what has been made by a Tom, small percentage Tom of people. And Mayo Canadian says, American didn't funds. the government give the banks the money to write down mortgages for people and the banks sold them on to vulture funds instead and NAMA did the same and finally Jean-Anne says I'm living in a two-bedroomed house in Dublin City paying €2,600 my landlord has to sell I'm looking for a new place over three grand is the cheapest how can I ever save I will never buy a home so Brendan Burgess that point that David Langwalner has been making should there be a right to housing you know on that that tenants well Brendan said there should be already yeah well you did I think (laughs) David I think you know there seems to be a general exception that there should be a right to housing but I I think that there's an obligation here as well on everybody and as Oisin has explained the tenants the, the council tenants have an obligation to pay and if they don't pay they're evicted so I you know most of us accept that if we take out a mortgage or if we rent a property we must pay that mortgage and we must pay that rent but there's a, and and by the way 95% of people probably 97% of people are responsible but in Irish society and probably in all societies 3% of people are just totally irresponsible and if you bring in as the housing committee suggested a moratorium on repossessions you will find lots of people will just simply stop paying their mortgage and then the problem gets worse and worse and worse How did they justify that? Were they saying moratorium or ban on repossession? uh, Moratorium is a temporary ban in other words that that, uh, it was a moratorium on legal proceedings I think if if I remember correctly so in other words if you stop paying your mortgage the bank could do absolutely nothing about it and like it's the most I, I, I can't understand how I don't know what it was, 10 or 11 elected TDs and uh, TDs and senators, I think, could come to that I'll conclusion. I'll tell you why. Because I remember Carl Dieter tweeting um, around the time of the election saying, I hope I get this right, um, uh, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Oh. Teach a man to fish and he'll still vote for the guy who gave him a free fish. Yeah. So, that, you know. That's entirely correct. Like in Ireland, we have <laughs> classic problems of insiders, outsiders. Mm. I know Sheen has just described Sorry. excellently what we have in relation to outsiders. And those on the outsiders are renters. Mm. And those on the inside are those who have mortgages and are owners. Mm. And we have expert groups, we have law changes, we have mm. um, codes of conduct done for those in, in mortgage difficulty. But we've done very little to fix our rental problem, yes, simply because it's insiders, outsiders. The politicians are targeting those who are a cohesive group, who can get organised and who might be a voting bloc. And that's why they're making their decisions. Have you noticed how many representative Washington. bodies there are for landlords and for people who own property, the Irish Property Owners Association, Landlords Association, all these groups who represent people who've bought property. The number of, of groups who represent tenants is zero apart from threshold and, and you know homeless groups there is no there's, there's no tenants association now, nobody to be fair them. you would hear threshold on the radio about ten times as often as all of the landlord groups combined ah, I, couldn't, that's just your I couldn't have named a <laughs> landlord group I have to take a break Talking Point on News Talk 106 to 108
and welcome back to Talking Point. We're talking about repossessions this morning and in studio, Brendan Burgess, Seamus Coffey, David Langwater and Oisin Smith and text us on 52106 for 30 cent and you can tweet us at Talking Point NT and hashtag NTFM. Now, some of your texts. Strange how the Lewis drivers are militants and greedy while landlords are merely subject to market forces. That's from Charlie. 27%, well, language is really important yeah, in no, all of is, these. Yeah. It is interesting. 27% of TDs are landlords, even more in Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil where do you think their priorities might be in rent reform it's raw landlordism like 1913 Mm. now Dan O'Brien would vehemently disagree with that he was complaining in a recent article in the Irish Independent that the Oireachtas Committee on Housing which Brendan referred to earlier that they were proposing a ban on repossessions is heavily their recommendations were heavily weighted in favour of renters because there are more and they recommended measures like long rent control periods which the OECD says result in low quality low quantity rental properties and there's not even any evidence that that results in low rent so maybe things are changing with the um, entry of all the independents into the uh, doll. Talk of homelessness is nothing to do with this debate really says another texter. Homelessness and hotel rooms being utilised by social welfare is due to tenant evictions and not home owner evictions. Agreed. Problem. Yeah. That's I Brendan agreeing. Yeah. Problem is clearly lack of available housing driving yes. rent up and social welfare not responding with higher rent allowances or building social housing and someone else says I work in housing and local authority tenants fall into massive arrears because they won't pay and it takes years to evict massive and that's a massive problem for us I think that's true and then Jack says it's time for David Langwarner to wake up those who can pay but refuse to pay must be uh, turfed out uh, they have no right to housing so David I said I'd come uh, back to look, you after I this. have not said that those who can't pay what I've said is that there should be a negotiation structure whether a tenant or um, uh, a mortgage holder that is determined in terms of how much you can afford and an acceptance of levels of responsibility. Obviously, someone who takes the make for not paying for six years is completely ridiculous. And and that is the case. The wider conversation, I don't think it's irrelevant, and I hate to hammer on on about it, but is is the right to homes and housing. There's no political will for this. We had a constitutional convention. 85% voted for the social and economic rights. What happened? Three lines in the independent, I think. Government considered quietly shoved. We're not going to put the right to homes to people by way of a referendum and I see no hope in a very conservative judiciary of them declaring a right to housing as they have effect on... Is there a right to food? Well, there is in India because... In Ireland, is there a right to food? Well, the right to life leads to quality of life considerations in my view. What do you do about the right to food? You can't have... Don't get food, you die. You you can't have quality of life, you can't have food, water, shelter and clothing. That's what the Indian Supreme Court said. What should the government do about that? that. Well, you do a... You you make sure that when our derelict politicians who don't want to do anything about social and economic rights, including the right to health care, that they're accountable by a judiciary that actually does something about it. Now, vulture funds, because he's going to come in on this in a second, just one point about vulture funds. Are vulture funds great? There was an article, again in the end of a, a couple of months ago, bizarre stuff. They're not so bad. All the money's been bought up by American uh, colleges and it's going to fund people's education. Great! Funding corporate brats in America uh, uh, and throwing people out in the streets here. But one thing that is clear, and I'm glad the conversation is focused on this. It's not just about mortgage repossessions. It's largely, and Oshin's been absolutely right about this, and so have other people. It's about tenants and the overpricing of our tenant market. Seamus Coffey, vulture funds. 
Yeah, again, it's something we've looked at. Like one thing the court service do is they publish the lists that are available um, for each repossession hearing, and you can look through the the names of the, the the banks and lenders taking the cases. And what we found is that the the vulture funds don't appear as often as one might believe. And the vulture funds have a lot of loans; they've close on, uh, I think, forty thousand loans at this stage, and a lot of them are in arrears. But if you look at the the, the banks that appear, the lenders that appear most often uh, in large part is the nationalised banks. AIB, PTSB appear quite a lot, uh, and Bank of Ireland equally. Uh, and they have similar size of loan books uh, to the overall aggregate of the vulture funds. But when you look for their names, and they're not there. And they have these loans since the end of 2013, the stand to 2014. So two years later, they still haven't even started uh, legal proceedings. Yes, there are some cases before the courts and the vulture funds, but not to the extent of the amount of loans that they actually have. And Dan has just texted in, Sarah, rent supplement increased in rural and urban areas from yesterday. That's right. And it was actually a tricky one because... When there used to be, oh, it's too complicated to go into now, but they have, they have increased it. Uh, Brendan Burgess, tracker mortgages. Now, this is something that you've been involved in. And there was a story on the front page of The Independent yesterday about a court case where what the banks are still refusing people the right to get back on trackers. Well, you tell me what about happened that? to this is PTSB wrote to this guy and said, oh, we're very sorry. We took your tracker mortgage from you um, incorrectly. You were entitled to a tracker mortgage. Uh, we shouldn't have taken it. And here is your compensation. And they sent him a check for, I think, a couple of thousand euros. This is part of the PTSB thing. But he had switched lenders from PTSB to AIB, if I remember correctly, and they refused to take him back. So there was an appeals mechanism with P- within PTSB and he has said, listen, you took my my tracker mortgage from me. I want it back. And PTSB and then the appeals body looked at it and said, no, you're not entitled to it back. So this guy did the right thing. Mm. He did what we're encouraging people to do. If you're overpaying your mortgage, look for a cheaper rate, shop around and switch. Anybody who switched their mortgage, the neither the customer appeals panel of PTSB nor the ombudsman, fines in their favour. They always say you get compensation up to the date you switched. It's completely irrational and the central bank should take action on that. couple of more texts. John and Slane says the voice of landlords is hardly ever heard. It's always the poor tenants in threshold. You know, I presume people are doing PhDs actually studying media mentions of which side gets mentions the most. They certainly should be. The banks and government are the biggest cause of increased rents with discriminatory taxation rules. And uh, let me see. And Jer says, Sarah, on mortgages imagine if everyone stopped paying their mortgage what does Ushing think will happen when a young couple goes for a mortgage they will be told no never all building will stop dead adding further to the homeless yeah, number can I answer that yes you may so yeah um, people if if you didn't have to pay your mortgage nobody would pay their mortgage I mean, they, I mean that, 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 that's self evident but the thing is that people are paying their mortgages and what the statistics show is that there is a backlog a historic backlog of people who haven't paid from, sort of from, from the financial crisis but the people who are in short arrears under a year are back down to something where it's a very small number of people but I think that we, you know, we've really been fighting with each other this morning but one thing that we have managed to agree on is that the evictions of tenants are far more common than, than evictions of people who are in mortgage property that that whole section of society that's a third of households in Dublin is being ignored and that you know we, th- these are the people who are in real distress who are in a precarious situation and find that they cannot buy property because they can't they can't save up the impossibly large amount of money for a deposit so you know this, this is a whole sector that's being ignored and somebody has to stand up for tenants and housing whether rental or mortgage is a right 
not as right-wing Republicans and much of uh, the right-wing in this country think so, an entitlement. David Langwalder has the last word. Thanks to him. Brendan Burgess, Seamus Coffey and Oisin Smith. Uh, Marion uh, Kennedy was on sound. Uh, final text from Jerry. She says, the homeless mess we're in is a direct result of so few repossessions. Some people just don't want to pay for anything. The ultra-liberal brigade have to take responsibility oh, yeah. for this mess. Oh dear. So that's it for today. Eva Breen produced. Bobby Kerr is up next with an amazing shirt on him today. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this News Talk 106 to 108 podcast. To download other programs or for more information, go to newstalk.ie.